0: hello and welcome to actually best choice movies the world's only movie podcast Uh, i am one of the hosts my name is chris chafin
1: and i am in Another room in another city uh, of Brooklyn. Caleb Shively quarantined.
0: Yeah, so this week we are finally making concessions to um, the global pandemic that's happening. Uh, Caleb is not here. We Caleb did come over last week. We didn't mention it on the podcast because I didn't mention it because I thought people might get mad at us for doing that. Um, so I didn't I purposely didn't and, say anything about it. And now
1: they did get mad. Here.
0: Yeah, you said your, does your family listen to the show? You, they, they, they got mad at you about it?
1: Uh, just my sister. She was just, who who is a, who is a medical doctor and uh, is just worried about everything, uh, very scared. So, you yeah. know, do what you can for your yeah, loved you know. ones at this time.
0: Right, so this week we're recording things remotely, right. I am in the uh, studio, quote unquote, which is like my office in my house, and uh, Caleb is remote on his uh, zoom. and you know, apologies if the quality isn't that what it is normally, but it should it should be fine. It should be fine. It should be fine.
1: Seth Myers and john Holliver, uh, Steve Colbert, they do zoom. They zoom it. so you know, can I just as tell as you as I know. get a better? Microphone, it'll be better.
0: <laughs> like the literally the first sound out of your mouth after I said it would be fine was a glitch. So like, <laughs> but yeah, so this week it's, it's, it's 420 and that's cool. Congratulations, everybody. We made it. I mean, this isn't how any of us wanted to celebrate 420, but like you get the 420 you get, not the 420 you want. Like that's how the saying it's goes. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you just
1: get really stoned and uh, now we have to do it more indoors, which is I guess what I've
0: been doing anyway. Were you mostly smoking pot outside before this?
1: Uh, yeah, because I'm not allowed to smoke pot in my building. Uh, we have a co-op that says no smoking in the building.
0: That's right. I forgot about that. I, <laughs> you were like the one adult human being who cannot. Yeah, that's terrible. I really feel bad about that. Um, so yeah. we're talking about so a couple of 420 movies at the top uh, instead of the normal segment we do where we talk about recent stuff. That's how we're doing it, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. And <laughs> then we have we have two new movies this week. Uh, well, a new movie and an old movie like we do every week. It's gonna be the uh, new Netflix movie from 2020 directed by Alan Yang. That's his name, right? Yes. Tiger Tail, and which we've paired with the 2000 Juan Car Y movie, uh, In the Mood for Love. That's all this week on actually Best Choice. Best Choice Movies. <laughs> uh but so before we get to any of that or i guess this is this is the part of that we're talking about some 420 movies because it's 420 congratulations oh my god
1: best holiday of the year the one we celebrate last year we had a, i guess it's our only tradition we have we did a 420 episode last year because the beach bum came out
0: yeah beach bum came out and we talked that I mean, that and was did, fun
1: yeah and then we did a pop star which is a great stoner movie but yeah there's uh i could go on uh i think it's a. fun drama it's usually delegated to comedies rightfully so but there are like donor dramas but it's mostly just like a shaggy plot uh and you know pot is involved but yeah um weed helps movies as uh, i'm a big proponent of like things are enjoyable when weed is involved
0: yeah i mean when movies are a thing i definitely agree with that so by that logic
1: (laughs) movies uh... are a thing is our new tagline
0: Movies are a thing. That is actually a pretty good tagline. Uh, what's our old tagline? Editing is how you swallow movies. Is that our. Right? <laughs> Kick it off, Caleb. Caleb is a lot more prepared than me for this part of the show this uh, week. So yeah.
1: Like. Well, there's like a lot of great stuff. I, I'm a big fan of the Dave Chappelle joint, half baked. Uh, I think The Big Lebowski is probably the
0: best. Wait, 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 wait. We shouldn't blow through half-baked because that's one that i really like a lot oh too. yeah
1: go yeah i would love for you to talk about half
0: baked. well i was just gonna ask did you watch that a movie a lot when you were like in high school or younger than high school i guess did that movie come uh, out I when you it, were in like elementary school it probably
1: did but it got played on like comedy central when i was in high school and then like once i saw it edited on comedy central like oh i gotta go see this movie not edited because i would always go to that movie store with my dad to rent videos so i'd be like uh i'm gonna rent this one Then i only got to rent it once but yeah it's a, a, a very off quoted movie, uh, which is another great time of a stoner
0: film. I do still think of lines from Half Baked like constantly. I think of them all the time. I mean, obviously, there's the there's the classic ones, right?
1: Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool, and fuck you, I'm out.
0: I, I often think of, and I'm not I'm not proud of this to be clear, like when in the very end in that terrible, like that really stupid fight scene that's at the end of the movie. I know exactly what you're gonna say, say it. That's a fully dog. <laughs> uh,
1: my favorite line for that movie is, Abba Zabba, you
0: my only friend. My God, I think of that all the time too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm all, whenever, a- I see, whenever I see a police horse, I think of it getting fed junk food until it dies. But- Oh,
1: nice. Uh, I named my bongs because, like, I thought they did Wesley Pipes is one of their things in there. But uh, I've named my bongs in honor of Half-Baked. I think that's a very fun thing to do. Uh, my current bong is named Reefer, Reefer Sutherland. Uh, Green Latifah, David Allen Green.
0: Uh, Reefer Sutherland is a good one. I like because it breaks up the theme also. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Uh, Gilbert Gottweed was a great one I
0: had. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this movie, we, me and my friends in high school used to watch it constantly. Like, I mean, I'll, you know, I'm a little older than you, as I always say. I don't know how we had a copy. I think my girlfriend in high school owned a copy of the movie. So we would just watch it all the time, all the time, all the time. Uh, it's uh,
1: very rewatchable, yeah. Yeah. It's a very funny movie. It's
0: funny. I like, I, I often think of this part of Half-Baked 2, which is like, the plot is going along in a certain way and it's, go, it's go, it goes along pretty good and you don't really, it doesn't seem like it's repeating itself or losing steam or whatever. And it's right after they start the, um, the delivery service. It's called Mr. Smiley. Is that what it's called? Smiley face? Yeah, Mr. Smiley. Yeah. Mr. Smiley. And then Dave Chappelle just says in voiceover, And I just kept meeting different kinds of stoners. (laughs) And then there's just like five sketches of different like guest stars being in the movie. And you're like, oh, I guess they did kind of like lose steam for a little bit here. (laughs) The movie just takes a break to do some sketches. And then the plot starts up again later on, you know.
1: It's kind of a convoluted plot that they just like leave off for a while. Like even uh, the great Stephen Wright just has a big soliloquy speech or Guillermo Diaz is a backstory for the dog killer it's yeah. just a whole different movie there too it's so ridiculous
0: i mean willie nelson yeah. is in it like that's cool john stewart in one of his rare yeah. acting roles i actually really hate john stewart in this movie i think he's so annoying he's not funny <laughs> at all i don't think did you ever the back a twenty dollar bill yeah. on weed oh, there's some weird. Shit but i do think of that line all the time
1: yeah it's uh, full of a bunch of great lines and uh it's a stoner canon.
0: It's stoner canon. I mean, I, it is like the number one thing in the stoner canon to me.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I would like to speak to that, uh, because, uh, there is uh, a trailblazers blazing be the key component there. Uh, I'm a huge Cheech and Chong fan. Uh, there are racist movies. Those movies are do not hold up, but, uh, my early 20s, my huge stoner days, I watched, there's uh, eight Cheech and Chong movies. Wow, there's eight Cheech and Chong movies. Uh, the first three work as a trilogy before they like, actually turn into trying as art, which is very interesting that they did that. Uh, but the first three movies uh, as a trilogy kind of like set the pace for what stoner movies can be. And uh, those movies are Up in Smoke from 1978. Uh, three years later, they did uh, Next Movie, which is my favorite of those. Uh, because oh, yeah. that's,
0: that's like one
1: the, the, yeah that's the one where they don't try like still uh up in smoke was because uh, Cheech and Chong started in the late 60s they were hippie culture so by 1978 they were about 10 years later they were actually popular enough to make a movie they, they were Grammy winning they sold tons of albums like okay guys you could finally have a movie I love up in smoke Stacy Keach is amazing in it P.T. Anderson cites up in smoke as an influence on inherent vice which I always think is crazy but it's just that shaggy loose plot uh but next movie I thought was better. Uh, it's in the beauty of not trying. It's more pure stonery in that sense. Cheech, uh, the character who he is, Cheech uh, is not goes away for the part part of the movie, and it's just another character Cheech Marin plays, who's just an even more stoner than he is. Uh, it also introduces. Uh, a young Pee-Wee Herman is in it. It's Paul Rubens plays a bellhop and then they show him doing stand-up and he's doing stand-up as Pee-Wee. There's a lot of fun dialogue in it. All these movies, the dialogue is really, really good. This is a line from next movie I think about a lot. Man, if he had two brains, one of them would be lonesome. <laughs> Ridiculous.
0: It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah.
1: Uh, and the movie that next movie doesn't really end. The ending of the movie is they turn into spaceships. Like they get their high they get take special weed in the other spaceships.
0: <laughs> i mean that sounds like a great ending to me yeah. i don't know what you're talking about that's a perfect ending yeah that's and how then, all uh, movies should end <laughs> all movies <laughs> should end with the characters getting so high they turn into spaceships and then uh, there was uh, titanic nice uh, sure. million dollar baby uh <laughs> citizen kane that's how all these movies should end
1: uh and then there was nice dreams which also brought in uh paul rubens again he's a this time he does more coke he's a mental patient and Stacey Keach is in this one is, again. He plays the same character as in Up in Smoke, and his arc is that he thinks he's slowly turning into a lizard, and by the end of the movie, he actually is a lizard. These are Chicha and Chong movies, and then I don't hate the other ones, but they didn't have weed. Like Corsican Brothers was rated PG, it was a PG movie about like a uh, based off of a poem that they made into a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Still Smoking is actually kind of uh, actually probably the best film-wise because it's like self-reflective about their arc of celebrity and uh it, but it stops the plot just to have be more stand-up based so like they actually like okay we've got but um Chong directed that one himself Tommy Chong directed that one himself they're bad movies
0: well see this is int- this is what I wanted to say it's interesting to hear you talk about them like this because I, I have try- you know I am a person who is almost 40 and I've been smoking pot since I was in high school and it's like I've been definitely tried to watch Cheech and Chong movies I always find them boring and not funny and like difficult to watch. And I, I, I just start picturing the kind of stoner from like, yeah, 1978 to whom this was like the craziest thing they'd ever seen. And then it's I start thinking about true. how lame that person is, you know? Yeah. And like, I, I just can't, I just cannot get into it. But like you, you legitimately like these movies.
1: Uh, there's just like so many like dumb stuff in it. Like, uh, like the Paul Rubin stuff is great. Uh, I think Stacy Keach is one of the great actors, but like, uh, another great line that they say is like, Hey man, you want to get high? Does Howdy Doody have wooden balls? Um
0: I don't think but, I don't think that's a great line. That's not a great. Well, come on. I mean, what? I a,
1: it cracks me up. I mean, you're high watching this shit. You don't expect so, to hear yeah. oh, Howdy Doody's balls. Uh I mean, Up and Smoke starts starts off with them hitchhiking, he picks them up and uh they actually smoke dog shit cuz they their weed fell into dog shit. Uh it's just like these really loose plots and like just jokes. Uh I don't know. Then I mean, they are A lot of those jokes turn into just like racist stereotypes too, which is very unfortunate. And that's why I I don't recommend these movies as much, but they are like, I don't know. It's a little canon. Just like set the archetype for stoner for what? 20,
0: 30 years. I mean, that is true. I mean, they were the only explicitly stoner media for like a long time. Them in like, hard rock music, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. That's more my kind of stuff. You know, if I'm being completely honest, when it comes to, like, stoner culture, I mean, for a long time, that was more what I was into was, like, rock bands that would, like, mm-hmm. you know, had pictures of druids on the album cover or something. Or, like, you know, like, The Sword. Like, I was so, so into The Sword. And, yeah. Is that...
1: that uh? animated film heavy metal would you consider that a stoner movie yes
0: that is stoner culture yes the heavy nah, metal for so. sure because it's yeah. both like crazy and it's bloody and there are like boobs in it and uh it's interesting that you bring up uh heavy metal because i think cartoons actually make really great stoner culture because oh, for real? so many cartoons have this way of like objects turn into other objects in this way that it's like you realize you've pictured that in your mind at some point without really ever thinking about it and then when you're watching it on a cartoon you're like oh my god this is blowing my fucking mind
1: yeah not enough cartoons take advantage of it. i mean there's been some stoner episodes of the simpsons uh, but yeah even like adult swim wise uh yeah. they don't really have like a straight up stoner character um I'll give a shout out to. I mean, I um, would
0: say um, I actually think Super Jail is a really good stoner. Oh, um,
1: amazing! Yeah, they they do. That's acidy. It's it's fluid. Yeah, seventies
0: animation style, obviously, but it's like something about the way and the way that like things flow into other things, like whether it's action pieces or whatever. Like that is very stonery to me.
1: Oh yeah, it's ah uh, the some of the best violence, uh, cartoon violence I've ever seen is on Super Joe. But yeah, oh, yeah, the way that even the warden would like say say his um, soliloquy and turn into things as he's talking, it's absolutely gorgeous.
0: Yeah, it's great. Uh, I think that's great.
1: I was gonna shout out um, Broad City and uh, in their inner social. They Even have that one episode where they get too high and they're animated. Uh, that's my man Mike Perry. Shout out Mike Perry. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think they did amazing Stoner stuff, especially with their animation.
0: Yeah, that's a, cool, yeah. That's Comedy
1: Central television show.
0: That is a Comedy Central television show. Um, <laughs> a thing I used to really like to watch, this is more in my early 20s, I don't know that I would watch it these days, but if you haven't ever seen it, I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's like the first half of the... Uh, Daft Punk anime, Interstellar 555. That's actually really great (laughs) to watch because it's just like anime music videos for Daft Punk songs. And the animation is really good. God, who did it? I want to say like Miyazaki did it all. I don't think that's true. That'd be
1: crazy if we did that.
0: It's like a famous, it's a famous anime person. Okay, so I looked up Interstellar 555 and it was like, it wasn't directed by this person, but it was supervised by them. It's uh, Leiji Matsumoto. Who's like a legendary, legendary anime person who's made things, including like Galaxy Express 999, which is kind of a pretty direct influence on this, and many other things. Oh, Space Captain, Space Pirate Captain Harlock. Actually, both of those things are on Amazon for uh, free for on Amazon Prime. If if you have it, I would definitely recommend checking those out. I went through a phase of watching animes from like the very early 1980s and the late 1970s and there's there's a ton of them on Amazon Prime and once you start watching them it starts recommending them to you and so you start finding ones you've never heard of in your life that's
1: cool I kind of might want to check those out myself now I don't uh, have a blind spot in anime
0: yeah oh i know i don't know a lot about it but i have watched a lot of them you know if you know what i mean yeah
1: sure sure yeah i know what you mean
0: yeah i don't know that's enough of that bullshit right did you have more than you wanted to say
1: no let's go on to some beautiful things that we're about to talk about great
0: so the first movie this week is alan yang's 2020 netflix original movie tiger tail
1: you are my father i don't even know how to talk to you i never have there are many things I never told you. The unspoken stories of our family, until they are spoken. Tiger Tail is a story about the emotional consequences, both of the long-lasting and from the direct hardships of being an immigrant, written, directed, produced by Alan Yang, who won an Emmy for Master of None as well as a longtime writer-producer of Parks and Rec, this is the story of Pinju, a Taiwanese immigrant looking back on his life and decision to come to the U.S. through flashbacks, while his adult daughter struggles to connect with him emotionally. Uh, poignant through nuance, Tiger Tail takes side-view approach to themes of candor, loneliness, what it, and what it means to be strong. Uh, many immigrant stories are about the, uh, quote, American dream, but this movie succeeds when it is grounded most in authenticity, allowing these emotions to ring true. Chris, what did white people think of this oh my movie?
0: God. Wow, Caleb. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I'm not white. I don't know what you think. <laughs> wow. Well, well, you know, we could talk about it. Um. Uh... What did I think about Tiger Tail? Well, um, I watched it one night with Catherine. A lot of times when I watch movies for this show, Catherine will fall asleep. And this movie I was starting it and I was kind of I somehow we were talking and it was I was like, Well, you don't have to go to sleep. You can stay up and watch this movie. And which it seemed like had not occurred to her. And so she watched it and was she made her very sad and she was riveted and stayed awake until like eleven thirty at night, which she like never ever does. Um wow. so she liked it a lot. Um uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was I thought it was uneven, I would say. Like mm-hmm. um definitely like I thought some of the performances in the movie were not very strong and it, the like, daughter the daughter is not very good. Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> yeah, drags she drags down the movie a little bit. Um and but I do think that some of the scenes are like very true and interesting and I, I described it to someone as like why is my dad such a weirdo and investigation like <laughs> yeah that sort of seems like the animating idea of this movie is like alan yang having a distant 60 year old father and thinking like what the fuck happened to this person to make them this way and that is the movie tiger tail
1: he did base it off of uh, his own father's experience uh, obviously took some liberties uh but yeah i do uh like One, I want to thank Netflix for actually not making another like B action movie and trying something uh, closer to uh, just nuanced emotional stakes like this. Uh, Yeah. And it's just a lot of character being alone. And that's every time they, before they go to a flashback, they show the dad being just quiet, eating by himself, uh, usually in a toilet room. And that's another nice little trick they did. There's like this digital filming. For the modern scenes, and then they would flash back, and it's like actual camera movements and uh, different lighting tricks that looked cool. And the the it's a pretty straightforward story of Pinju growing up. He's a uh, what abandoned as a kid. Yeah, his mom he has to his single mom uh, works with her in a factory, falls in love with somebody, but then he has to move away for the betterment of his for this American dream, and that's where I think the movie gets really interesting is then he moves to New York and is married to someone he barely knows and doesn't really want to talk to. Like, I don't really, you don't really see that in movies. I think that's very interesting. It's very interesting.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the movie, it it's obviously has very artful ambitions, like Alan Yang obviously has put his entire heart and soul into trying to make a very beautiful film, and there are some shots of the movie which are fantastic. Specifically, I would say where the movie opens and then returns to several times, which is this rice field in uh, yes. Taiwan where the movie is begins and, and then returns to at some point. Um, and it's kind of a little bit about Taiwanese history and it's about, you know, there's almost a little bit of like, it starts off as days of heaven because we've got this little kid in this big field of rice and it's a faraway shot. It's this beautiful green rice shoots. As far as the eye can see the kids running and it's, I mean, I was very, very hopeful about the film from this opening scene. I was like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. And like, there's a little bit of voiceover, but it's it's not too much. I mean, it is very Days of Heaven, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm very excited about this movie. And then this sort of moves into uh, almost like Inglorious Bastards for a second because he's living with his grandmother, but there's something going on in Taiwanese history where you're not allowed to move to a different house. And so he's hiding under the floorboards and there's shots from his point of view through the floorboards as like... Uh, Taiwanese soldiers come because the, the Kuomintang has taken over the country. And, you know, it's it's like a whole thing, right? Um So that's very interesting. But even within those scenes, I think you see a little bit of the, the problems that the movie has a little bit, not to be too critical, because I do think at, at heart, it's like a pretty good movie. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's like you don't exactly know what's happening and there's like it's almost like there's too much specificity and not enough information at the same time like you're like they tell you about the Kuomintang but also you just kind of you're like wait why is he why is this going on and you know what is happening and yeah
1: um, I mean it's it's a big thing to try to be like this epic movie that spans generations which this movie goes does span several generations like that but as a green director like this is his uh first directing film like he's directed episodes of good place which is great <laughs> uh, but uh as like and this is a complete 180 from those from nbc thursday night sitcoms so yeah. to like try and bite that off is like a big ask and he does admirable at it i think yeah the um early stuff when he's a kid is kind of hard and he even does um a movie we're about to talk about next in the mood for love uh, he does a lot of that inspiration for the uh, middle middle part where it's like a lot of song cues.
0: I liked Uh, the middle. I liked that. I liked until they leave Taiwan. I actually thought everything up until they moved to New York was actually pretty great. And I really liked it. Um, because we, we then cut to him being a little bit older and he's like working at a factory with his mom and he's going out and dancing to rock and roll music at, uh, what was that like a fast food restaurant or something it's It's like like a
1: bar down the street it's like a
0: bar down the street but the interior of it looks like a mcdonald's or something (laughs) and i'm sure that's like intentional i'm sure that's what those places were like i think they
1: do eat at mcdonald's later on in the film
0: (laughs) they do Uh, well it's like some kind of weird fast food place yeah but then and then it's like he's has this beautiful romance with this girl that he met as a child and then they're they're doing all sorts of wild and crazy things you know they're like running out on restaurant bills and oh yeah
1: talk about otis redding uh in the river and whistling yeah
0: (laughs) they they Sing, sitting on the dock of the bay together, and they've been speaking only in like Mandarin and Taiwanese up to this point, Uh, and then they sing, sitting on the dock of the bay, which is kind of funny. It's kind of it's funny in that way of like when somebody wants to wants to make a piece of culture that you think of as being like so common as to being almost like trite and like who gives a shit about this, but to really make you feel what someone would have felt when it was new. And that's mm-hmm. a really hard thing to do. You know, I wouldn't say. Yeah. That.
1: yeah. I did kind of like the New York stuff. Cause it is like, Oh, I have no job. I'm going to work at a bodega and that's his job. And they just montage that uh, a lot of opening shut, opening shut. Uh, and then uh, the, the nice little trick that I liked uh, every time we would go back to his uh, apartment uh, where his, uh, quiet wife who has no friends. Uh, there would be like a little bit more furniture each time, till like eventually it's like they have a like a player piano type synth thing. That's yeah.
0: Just a oh, and uh. first we see them get the player piano, and they're or it's like a little keyboard, and they're very excited. Or he he's excited. He's like, I thought we could learn the piano together. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you see it, the like the cover is on it, and there's a bunch of books piled on top of it. Like that's that's a good touch. Like that that's good filmmaking, mm-hmm. right?
1: And they do a good job of just being, uh, throughout the whole time, setting you up for the eventual failures. Because a uh, movie starts; it's a flashback movie, so we know that he's divorced when we first meet him. So uh, it does a good job of just like, oh yeah, this of course this marriage wasn't going to work out. Which is great because I think the best the acting, uh, uh, a great performance is uh, carried by Si uh, Ma uh, uh, as the older Pinju. I think he's... Incredible,
0: he's great. Well, Uh, he's almost so good. It's like, but he's not getting anything back from his scene partners. That it's like it's it's kind of weird, actually, the scenes with him. It's very unfortunate.
1: Uh, It is definition stoic, yeah. Uh, Especially with his daughter, who has to like does have to act against it, and and she just crumbles. It doesn't really like it's not believable. But he's so like a stoic guy, Uh, and he Sima, who uh, was great in the farewell from last year, is also in uh, tons of stuff like he's in silicon valley and uh veep he was in uh uh he was in rush hour one and three but not two uh but amazing actor uh been acting since the 80s uh i'm glad it's so cool he got to act in this movie
0: i mean he's I great he's in... i mean it's cool for the movie that he is in it i mean he is like definitely yes. like the most famous person in the movie um... uh he
1: just uh it's like a he just portrays this loneliness uh, and then we see the history of, be, of why the loneliest exists. Uh, and so it's like almost a quiet judgment that is behind his loneliness. It just makes this like would be a harsh character as he's like a, a mean dad. Like there's a part where he t- talks to his daughter uh, when da- his daughter is like, uh, a 10 year old playing the piano and oh, tells yeah. her crying is for
0: the week. <laughs> but that uh, was what his grandmother told him, you know, man. Like, yeah, that's, it's, it's passed down. Well, it's I think like it older. does a really good job of showing him as somebody. It's basically like he is trying to act like a yeah. responsible adult, but he doesn't really feel that way. And that's, mm-hmm. he's basically spent his entire adult life doing that. And even up to being an old man, he doesn't really mean or believe any of the stuff that he's doing, but it's like his impression of how other mm-hmm. people were to him it's, or, or what he yes. thinks a responsible person should be like, you know?
1: And I think that makes him a tragic figure more than anything. Oh yeah. That definitely. this past is haunting him. Uh, and I think uh, to bring that much nuance to this stoic of a guy is like, Wow. I can't That's believe good. I feel this. Yeah. It's very, very good. Uh, and then he does, uh, to get a little bit of spoiler, but yeah, towards the, the ending of the movie, uh, is when there's more reconciliation between him and his daughter. Uh, and it cracks, not doesn't overflow. The dam doesn't break, but like, you can see like, Oh, he's opening up and it's
0: uh, very nice. <laughs> it's very nice. Yeah. Um, it's like, but at the same time, it, you know, I wouldn't say that it's a, great film you know i definitely think it has a little bit of like you know it has some plotting issues i would say and it has a little bit of like you know sometimes like the costuming is weird in a way that like takes you out of it a little bit like like during the montaging you were talking about about him uh working at the bodega it's like it's progressing over years and years you don't know how much time is passing but it's like they're just they give him like a weird wig and glasses and they make him take his collar out of his yeah. shirt you know to like signify mm-hmm. that it's the 70s which is fine but at the same time it's it's like a little bit you feel like you're watching like a you know like a not, not like, professional movie you know
1: <laughs> and, and in those scenes it's not really seamless between him and his uh, wife The because uh, she does get a little bit of storyline but just a little bit clunky on how much like she gets a bunch of dialogue, while he gets a a, flat, a monologue during that. I don't know. It felt overall, clunky, but you know, as a big swing for a, a semi young director to do, uh, I'm, I'm glad he aimed his uh, crosshairs at something more emotional. Uh, And, you know, I'm an Alan Yang fan. I like uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, the show he co-created on Amazon uh, forever with uh, Fred Armisen and Maya. It's so funny.
0: We me and Catherine really like that, too. Everyone in the world hates that show. Like Everybody Uh, acts like that show was terrible, but it was not terrible. It was good. It was outstanding. Yeah. I don't know why I get so much hate. I think it, it came out at a time where there was like, it was like peak prestige TV fatigue and everybody was just like, Oh, another fucking show who cares? But it was like, it's, it's good. It's a good show.
1: They wanted uh Fred to be more, uh, Fred like, but he's a very, a very emotional, like uh clueless husband. And Maya does carry a lot of that show. Cause Maya Rudolph's uh, one of the best treasures we have in this world.
0: Yeah. She's so good. Uh, she's so good.
1: Yeah. But Fred handles the it I think that show is amazing. And, uh, shows how great Alan Yang can be. But, Uh, you know, it's like a very high concept too.
0: It's it's the other, I mean, the show he's most famous for creating is master of none. Right. Yeah. Uh, And you know, it does, the movie does at times remind me of like great prestige TV from 2015, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, you, it's an interesting idea. It's emotional, but it's, you know, like it's not necessarily like executed at like the top of film Mm -hmm. making you know what i mean it's if you're grading on a curve being like this tv shows on the internet you know it's like yeah this is amazing you know what i mean
1: it's uh great that it's on netflix but uh it probably would have gone in and out of theaters within like two weeks (laughs) God,
0: right exactly and it is (laughs) although it i will say netflix has been promoting this movie to me a lot and if you listener are uh, at home which you know i'm guessing you are it's definitely it's great that it's there it's free for you to stream and you know i would say to, to check it out
1: it's a it's i'm glad i checked it out yeah. uh, my and it's, it's, it's,
0: it's only 90 minutes it covers like 50 mm. years of taiwanese <laughs> political history and emotional turmoil in 90 minutes
1: uh, my friend clyde who uh, is also is an asian man uh recommended it to me uh curious what i thought about it and i was like oh cool i need a little impetus to check this out and i talk to him about about it and it's uh yeah uh I'm yeah i mean as an asian
0: was, man what what did you think about it uh
1: it, honestly uh, uh i i'm not wasn't uh, i like to hear immigrant stories and i liked how it centered on uh, a different not just like oh i'm working hard for my family american dream immigrant story just more like it's a, a lot of emotional impact like you're gonna like strain relationship you're gonna have sacrifices for yourself and not how to deal with uh a lot of things because it's a very fucked up thing to move from a country to, to this land of opportunity. Yeah. Uh, but mostly, it reminded me of, <laughs> it sold as a great transition, of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of other great Asian filmmakers. I'm, I've read, uh, I saw some pieces where Alan Yang talked about uh, not only Wong Kar Wai, who we're uh, gonna talk about next, but also um, another movie I, I suggested to Chris, uh, uh, Yi Yi from Edward Yang. Uh, this movie, uh, he was also a Taiwanese, uh, director and that movie is amazing uh, it's on Criterion uh, it also deals it's a story It's a, double the length of this movie it's three hours long and it's even, even less happens uh, the start of the movie is a wedding uh, then the grandma gets sick the day of and it ends with like just visiting the son throughout the movie who's like an eight year old kid so great in this movie uh, the daughter who's just going through like normal teenage stuff and then the dad who uh, also is like uh, visiting his past uh, like he bumps into uh, an old flame from his college days. And it's so like nothing happens that uh, I, I absolutely love it so much. It uh, best director at Cannes in the year 2000, uh, which is kind of crazy because that's the same year the next movie we we're going to talk about came out.
0: Uh, Wait, can I just say it's so emblematic of the type of perverse movie fan that you are. And like I am to a certain extent uh, and lots of people are <laughs> the way that you said, it's twice as long and even less happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Like it was the fucking coolest thing in the world. <laughs>
1: hey, you're quarantined. Do you have 3 hours to spare if you have Criterion Channel, which yeah. is an amazing thing. Congratulations on 1 year Criterion oh, Channel. Oh yeah, um,
0: congratulations. I, I did you get that thing where they were like, "Hey, thanks for being a charter subscriber. We want to offer you a special gift, $10 off in the merchandise I'm, in the merch shop." I'm, and I was no, like, "That's sick." All right, fuck off, Criterion Channel. I mean, I'm glad to support it, but like, (laughs) I don't need a hat, like a Criterion hoodie or whatever. So, speaking of throwing money at things, and that actually doesn't work at all, um, (laughs) the next movie we're going to talk about is uh, 2000s in the mood for love. Director Wong Kar-wai's 2000 romantic drama In the Mood for Love is regularly talked about as one of the best films of the 21st century, and, you know, to a certain extent, one of the best films of all time. Uh, it's a lushly realized, superbly acted, deeply felt, and, like, extremely beautiful-to-look-at movie Um there's been so much writing about this film. I mean, it's one of these movies. Like I remember when I was in college and studying film, like it was one of the, you know, you talk about the color theory in, in the mood for love. And you talk about the, you know, the shot selection in, in the mood for love. And you talk about the music use in, in the mood for love. Like it's just, it's just all, almost a perfectly made film, right? Released in 2000, it mostly takes place during Hong Kong in the 1960s, which it, Portrays as being a conservative, crowded, and also extremely stylish uh, place. The plot follows Chow Mu Wan or Mo Wan. uh, That's Tony Leung. Who's a journalist who rents a room, like one room inside of an apartment, on the same day that another husband and wife are moving into a room in the next door apartment. That's. Sue, it's, you know, I copied this off of Wikipedia and if this her name is I Sue. I call her Sue. Yeah, but isn't her name Mrs. Ch- what is it they keep calling her? Mrs. Chan. Chang? Mrs. Chang, yeah. Chan, yeah. Mrs. Chan, yeah. Uh, so that's Maggie Chung. Uh, she's a secretary from a shipping company. And she's like, yeah, right. So she moves in with her husband and he moves in with his wife. And they're basically, its they don't really ever explain this living situation. But the, as best as I can understand, it's like there are two big families who actually own these apartments that are next door to each other. And they're really good friends. And each of them has rented out a room in their apartment. Remember, yeah. And then so this husband and wife pairs have moved in. Well, so the spouses of our main characters are often off traveling, leaving our main characters uh, alone and lonely. In uh, Hong Kong and we the movie spends a lot of and again, this is also a short movie, it's only 90 minutes, but it spends a lot of time showing them being lonely and doing, you know, lonely things the way lonely people do them and and also like refusing other people's company, they're constantly like refusing invitations to do things in order to like walk around and be lonely, which is really interesting to me. And it's something you don't often see portrayed in film. Um, But then they, through circumstances begin spending more time together, and they develop feelings for each other. And it's there's this deeply felt love story between the two of them, which is, you know, ultimately tragic spoiler alert. Like I'm sure you can tell from the first fucking frame. I mean, this is, uh, I think it's absolutely, absolutely a classic film. Uh, Caleb, what did you think about this movie?
1: It's a profound work. Uh, it's absolutely should live on. It's, uh, I, uh, it's on, on so many best of lists. Uh, it's probably the best movie of the, I don't know. It was year 2000. I get, we haven't made a better movie since then. uh, <laughs> It's like I remember seeing yeah, seeing it like early in my uh, in film watching days, uh, and then being I was like a fucking snotty ass kid. But watching it again, it's just like the way it unfolds and the way like how everything, every little thing means something in this film, uh, visually stunning. And then he tackles uh, a movie about love, love in the all encompassing sense, uh, platonic, the loss of love, uh, the nostalgia of love, how love can hurt. How love can be a saving grace but really about these two people are there because their spouses are cheating on each other and they refuse to cheat with each other so it's also about how love is loyalty and confusing it's just how love is this really big term and that we can't define and he probably does a better job defining it uh, than anyone possibly can it's like the language and how movies can speak It's absolutely a brilliant
0: film. (laughs) I mean, there's a scene late in the movie where the two characters just like briefly hold hands and you're just like, Oh my God, (laughs) it's so meaningful. And you just, you feel it. I mean, you just feel it immediately seeing what's happening. I mean, you have to say the performances in this film are, are amazing. I mean, obviously I don't, you know speak mandarin although i do speak a little mandarin it was reminding me of the mandarin that i know you it's one of those movies where the the power of the performance transcends the words that are being spoken mm-hmm. you can just just by the way people move and by the way they look at each other and yeah. you know and also of course by the you know tone of their voice or whatever but like it communicates so much information
1: yeah it's still, i don't know his framing in this movie is absolutely insane like he would do off frame stuff
0: i mean like oh, basically everything is like not it's not you don't see mrs chan like in a head-on shot until about 40 minutes into the movie i think oh yeah otherwise it's like through uh, a doorway I... or it's like through a piece of glass it's like reflected yeah. in something or you know he
1: blurs the foreground or uh he has part yeah, the screen half the screen partially blocked by something uh a lot of it in the early going is uh just as people are walking down like hallways and stuff it's just the walls are like creating frames yeah. for a person in the center it's absolutely gorgeous uh and uh and especially early in the film it's just all uh these one characters uh uh Maggie Chung and Tony Leung's characters it's just all of them uh in intimate moments too especially with this cramped framework it's very voyeuristic uh, yeah. and especially he like keeps that tone going so it feels like you're spying on these people who don't want to be together but just are together and who
0: also are like conscious about being spied on by a certain point in the movie you know yeah there's a great sequence where again they are not having sex like do they never have sex in this whole movie or even kiss like they don't even kiss right
1: no yeah Yeah, which is crazy uh,
0: but so they're together in his bedroom and um the neighbor families come over to play mahjong and they end up being stuck there for like a full 24 hours because she doesn't want to leave and let them know that she was in his bedroom and so they just stay, he like, goes out and gets them food mm-hmm. and they end up like she sleeps the whole night. And then like, they spend the whole next day in the bedroom. Um, that's like just so interesting and funny and weird. And uh, it was so touching also at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. And you really could feel it. You could imagine that kind of thing happening. And it, even while it's happening, Mrs. Chan is saying like, this is so stupid. I should have just gone out. Like I should have just gone out when they first got here. Like we're friends, we're neighbors. It wouldn't have been weird, you know, but by this point she's been in there for like 18 hours. <laughs> uh,
1: so the, uh, just to touch on the thing of them not having sex or even being that physical with each other, uh, these characters, both these main characters have set clothing. Like she always wears that. There's a word for it, but it's like a neck, uh, a Dress. kimono type.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. I call I, it a
1: I- calm song or something. But it's like, yeah, highlights the neck and she's always wearing one of these while he's always wearing like a very dapper, blue suits with like different under ties and stuff.
0: I mean, you have to uh, talk about her clothes, like her, her yeah. clothes are amazing in this movie, the dresses that she wears and the way that she like moves inside of these dresses. Like I've never seen anything more like elegant and sexual than mm-hmm. like watching her just like slink around the frame in that dress. And they're always brightly colored with these amazing patterns. And you know, her hair is amazingly done up. Like even at some point, the other characters are mm-hmm. like, is she dressed up like that to go get noodles. Like, you know, yeah.
1: So like in a romantic movie with no sex scenes, like this clothing becomes that sexy skin, like becomes nudity. It's become just so sexy uh, as we're not getting any release. This is like how it's defined. Uh, And I thought like having them always be dolled up like that is such like an amazing choice uh, that adds to just all of what other else he's doing, which is this uh, beautiful framing, wonderful tracking. A lot of I read his camera work is uh, him and his cinematographer, two cinematographers he worked with uh, improvised, which is fucking wild. Uh, but this movie, Juan Wai, he just crafts uh, like these empty spaces, uh, especially when he's like uh, showing the loneliness, uh, but he fills them with uh, desire between people. Uh, and he's like, concentrating his film more on uh, small moments that hint at a bigger picture. Uh, so, we're, uh, like a big thing we're never really exposed to is. Obviously, they never actually show that their spouses in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing.
0: It's so crazy, there's, right?
1: There's so much more going on, but we're just concentrated to these two characters. And then sometimes these characters are together, and we see that spark, and we like know how much they are feeling that they they never say it really. Uh, and even when they do, uh, they talk about how much they either don't want to do it and how much, or they're waiting for the other one to say something. Um, so. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, this, to it's present just an this
0: amazing fucking movie. Right. I mean,
1: to present this idea of like this big, uh, t- this abstract idea of love and to try to find it, to, to have these two characters that are in love and not explore that actual emotion of love. It, it, it's what you said earlier. It takes such a trust between director and actors. Uh, it's about showing tension and less of, uh, uh, you're not as uh, audience members. We're, not much as seeing ourselves like we're like, Oh, I get that in the character. We're more of just empathizing with these characters being like, I want you to do this
0: uh, as if they're real people in our lives. It's yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A, a fucking brilliant. Thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's just so difficult to do this kind of thing. Right. I mean, the, the so movie difficult. so effortlessly and purely is communicating in like the language of cinema, like in, in color mm-hmm. in movement in in costume in music right and in like gestures and in like set dressing and you're just it's communicating so much information to you it's like real life it's completely perfectly giving you like making you feel emotions from the real world in a certain way, but like a heightened version, right? And and obviously there's so, so many movies that are attempting to do this kind of thing. And, and when you don't pull it off, it's like, it just can seem very like, I don't know, on the nose, hacky, right? Like, I mean, I will say like, you know, it's like they say, don't have your picture taken next to like a supermodel. Like, you know, watching this movie and watching Tiger tail, you can't help but think like, oh, this is, you know, in the mood for love is like, done perfectly and tiger tail is like giving it its best shot you know like
1: tiger tail's like oh i like these movies too a guy like us who likes this movie uh as everyone should uh yeah we did very much alan yang a disservice by yeah, talking about these two movies which really we just spoiled our uh, ending uh, for it which is
0: <laughs> well we hadn't discussed it ahead story, of time but- so like <laughs> yeah. yeah we we <laughs> but I mean, it's just like, it's this film is just like one of the classic films. Right. And it's, it's, it's just so rare to see a movie that is like so engrossing and transporting and emotional. And It's funny because in a certain way, like I was talking about uh, Catherine, uh, how she reacted to Tiger Tail. Like in a certain way, Tiger Tail made me more sad. Like I had a a more intensely emotional sad reaction. Like we're just intense emotions generally maybe from Tiger Tail. But something about In the Mood for Love, it makes you feel so much more in such a more complicated way Mm -hmm. that it's like, it doesn't really matter that I almost cry at certain points in tiger tail, but it's like, it, you know, that's almost like a trick. Whereas like in, in the mood for love, it's like just everything is perfect. Everything is perfect.
1: Uh, a movie it reminded me of, which we co- covered early on, on uh, actually best choice movies was uh, cold war, but we're instead where cold war takes like years and years. This is just more of like a small time of just like, they can't really get together. Uh, and cold war actually i think they do get together <laughs> in cold war they do get like, to- uh, when
0: cold war they get together and then they break up again and then they kind of get together again and then yeah. they die. This
1: is even a, a not even a war but still very cold i don't know
0: <laughs> it is weird the only weird thing about um, in this movie i will say and it does have some tropes of i would say of like turn of the century asian cinema that are like you know they don't necessarily hold up at this point but that's true of every every film from every era of history right like but um th- mm-hmm. it is funny to look at with this remove like uh, i the main one i'm thinking of is uh shots in slow motion which were obviously not shot in slow motion originally mm-hmm. and like why are you even showing it in slow motion <laughs> it's just a very mm-hmm. like it's a very like hong kong cinema 1995 to 2005 kind of thing to do but-
1: Cut to a cigarette billowing at your edit yeah stuff like that um i there was a thing i was surprised to see when i put on criterion that uh it was universal studios <laughs> was the <laughs> was the main studios like wait there's a universal studios movie on criterion <laughs> 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 a, it's for a loop uh but speaking to the uh its influence and how uh it did get ripped off a lot as all right, great right. things how should could it not
0: yeah
1: every wrestler ripped up ripped off Ric flair um uh, Sophia Coppola talks about uh, this movie specifically a lot. Uh, she even thanked uh, *In the Mood for Love* and Wong Kar uh, in her Oscar speech when she won uh, *Lost in Translation*, which also has a very similar ending with a secret being told. That's
0: true, yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh,
1: and she and uh, uh, I've read that she that opening shot is, which is a great opening shot of Scarlett Johansson's butt, uh, is directly ripped off. She said, I, "I don't know what she's referring to," but I was like, "Oh, she said I stole that from him," oh, which that's is interesting. Uh, a very, uh, as a person who's a millennial, was a teenager when Lost in Transition came out, that was a big movie. It had Bill Murray. It had Bill Murray not being as funny. It
0: was a big movie for me. I love how you went from talking about Scarlett Johansson's butt to saying like, and as a teenage boy, this was a very important movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get it. We get it why it was an important movie to you, Caleb. Sure, um, sure. So I don't know. You want to say, Caleb, like, let's say if you didn't pick which of these movies you liked better, you had to tragically never speak to your true love ever again. <laughs>
1: Uh, I would, I would recommend Tiger Tail to people just because uh, it's a different movie on Netflix. And as people, as we have more movies, and movies to watch, we're becoming I don't know a little bit uh, more competitive in our filmmaking. And it, it does stand out uh, as a modern a twenty twenty film in the sense that it's trying to aim, it's aiming for something uh, more emotional, resonant. But a hundred percent every time in the mood for love. I uh, rewatching it, I was like why don't I ever talk I talk about this movie as much as, as, like, as it deserves? It's an absolute masterpiece. It's one of the greatest movies uh, we'll see in our lives.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got to agree with you there. I, I, on both parts of those, like, if you are on, you know, you have Netflix, like, you're locked in your house. This movie is only 90 minutes, which is, like, barely longer than an episode of television, right? Like, it's, definitely check out Tiger Tail. Like, give it a watch. It's definitely worth watching. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. But if we're going to say like, which of these movies is better, I mean, right. It's like one of the most perfectly realized films of all time In the mood for love. Like, yes, it's much, much better. Um, But, you know, and I would say the other way that we construct the show is to say, here is a movie and here is a movie that had an influence on it that you can think about in interesting ways. And I I think maybe that's a more charitable way to look at this pairing is to Mm -hmm. say like, yeah, definitely. In the Mood for Love is a massively influential film, and you can very much see its imprint in Tiger Tail, especially in the early sequences. The kind of romance, I think, when that's happening in Taiwan when the, the main character is, is a young man. That's all mm-hmm. that's all made me think of very it's like the same time period. they you know, it, it's it's very similar. Um and it's interesting to think about, you know, and to think about like the yeah, way that films co- communicate to each other over decades and decades, right? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, even in the color schemes. Uh, but I would also say uh, both films uh, do feature great eating alone scenes from their characters.
0: That is true. There's a <laughs> lot of eating alone in both of these movies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh my god, it's so. Path- I feel like it's more pathetic in Tiger Tail. than eating alone when <laughs> they when yeah. the, when the characters in in the mood for love are eating alone, it looks kind of mysterious and cool. But when oh, they're yeah, doing it in Tiger tale, they look like yeah. in Tiger Tail they look like pathetic, sad monsters. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um anyway yeah okay that's the show for this week so yeah again you know it didn't sound perfect but it's okay oh, and then it's gonna sound uh, better next quick,
1: week real quick uh shout out uh, i want to give a our, our theme song is from oh, kevin yeah. Harris. he has a new ep out uh he didn't ask us to do this it's a really cool ep uh you can listen to it at bandcamp kevin yes. Harris, dot you should check
0: it out it's very good kevin is a very good guy he's also a great cartoonist and uh, yeah i'm I, I really excited that. he has a new record out yeah
1: yeah, I love our
0: team time too. Uh, but yeah, it's always been great. Thank you, Kevin, and thank you guys for listening. Talk to you again yeah, bye, next guys. week. Okay, bye. Oh.